This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful day Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. All right, hey everyone, welcome to the Touch 'em All podcast studios in, I guess I was going to say downtown Minneapolis, but it's not even really Minneapolis. I think we're actually in St. Paul. Did you know that the Minneapolis-St. Paul line goes right through the Hubbard uh, Twin City studios? I did know that. So we could, I mean, we could walk to St. Paul. Just down the hallway. Exactly, and then go back to Minneapolis for the podcast. Yeah, strange anomaly as we, uh, as we, as we sit here. So... Uh, a couple things before we dive into the topic of the week here, Derek Wetmore. Number one, I'm going to be coughing in the background with yeah, my microphone that's off clear, about yeah. once every 15 right. seconds with whatever this is, like I'm shocked bronchitis or something. That we've gotten this far into the podcast and we haven't already had a, a bit of a breakdown. Hey, yeah, no, can that's you hear good. This? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be aggressive throughout the whole podcast. We can hear. And secondly, we are offering a lot more live content on our 1500 ESPN Facebook page. So facebook.com slash 1500 ESPN. If you could give us a like and or a follow, however you want to classify that. Derek is starting his weekly coffee sessions, answering twins questions via Q&A. We've got Vikings Vent Line live even during halftime and all kinds of other content. So. Facebook.com slash 1500 ESPN. To be clear, I'm, I'm not actually serving coffee. I'm just drinking coffee while I'm answering twins questions. I had a lot actually today. There were like 30 questions. You were super wired at the end. You had like four yep. cups. Like, hey, where's all the questions? <laughs> right. There's like one guy still watching. I want more people asking about Nick Gordon. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was fun though. It was a lot of fun to connect with some people on that way. I'm doing it on Tuesday mornings now, 1500 ESPN, Twin Cities on Facebook. It's pretty easy to find. Just go like us there. You'll like it. So topic of the week here on the Touch Em All podcast, and it kind of stems from a Phil Miller feature about the, the new baseball tandem that's uh, overseeing the front office now, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, Phil Miller of the Star Tribune. And the headline is, New Twins Bosses Won't Deal in Payroll Exacts. So I want to read a couple pieces from this article, and I think it, 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 it makes two interesting points, and then we can kick it back and forth, all right? How much money will be at their disposal? Falvey was blunt last week about that topic. He doesn't care. Derek Falvey said, quote, payroll plays a role in a team's success, but the way we viewed it in Cleveland, which, by the way, is a mid-to-small market team, I learned it from the likes of Mark Shapiro and Chris Antonetti, is that every team has challenges. It's our job to put forth a vision and a direction for this team to operate within the environment that we're in. What he's telling you there is, in Cleveland, we didn't have a payroll like Boston. And here in Minnesota, we're probably not going to have a payroll like Boston. He continued on and said, we're never going to look at payroll as an excuse. I don't get any sense that we're going to be restricted from any financial standpoint, but we understand the marketplace. He went on to say that the money he did ask for from Jim Polad, even though he doesn't really, he doesn't really have a blueprint for what they're going to spend in free agency, he does have a blueprint for what they're going to spend on their front office. They want to beef up the analytics department, the medical staff, the research department, he basically told Phil Miller, 
yeah, we need to beef this thing up. We need to add a bunch more employees. This this thing was understaffed for multiple years. And that's the area where Jim Polat has approved at least some short-term spending. Let me cut you off there, and you can go. You said this kind of forks in the road, so we well, can talk it, about both of them. It's it's payroll as we see it traditionally yeah. on the major league roster, and then it's what Derek Falvey's talking about, which is you guys are focused too much on that. We're looking to beef up the front office and some of these other departments mm-hmm. that maybe the Twins didn't realize how far behind in terms of staffing they were. Keep in mind, and this is no discredit to Phil Miller at all. The quote came from that press conference when he was introduced. So who's sitting to Derek Falvey's right when he says this, that payroll is not an excuse, no problems here, no complaints from me? Yeah. His brand-new boss, Jim Joel Pollard. Joel Mauer was sitting in the front no, row, too, he was. I yeah, that's $23 million true. hat on, actually. Yeah, he was. He actually flagged down the TV cameras. <laughs> for that. Oh, yeah, hey, hey. Hashtag He's, 23 mil. He says hat. it's not a problem. Joe's like, yes, vindicated. So the, like, Take these quotes in context. I don't mean to say that they're lies. Obviously, like, Falvey wouldn't get up there and make stuff up. But Falvey was sitting next to his new boss who just gave him his first chance to run a front office in an introductory press conference setting, which, by the way, is probably – I mean, Jim's – I'm sure Jim met Derek Falvey before the hire. But do you think he knows him that well? Do you think they've wined and dined every night since the hire? No, I mean this is one of Jim Polad's very first impressions as Derek of Derek Falvey as Twins boss. So for him to say, um, it reminds me of basically it just reminds me of the Terry Ryan discussion. What what people got so annoyed with Terry Ryan for, and these are fans, these are people that I'm hearing from um, on Twitter, on our website, and on my email list, just sending emails and stuff. Terry Ryan too cheap. He doesn't spend money, and it's the Polad's fault. And here we go. Because they'd take these quotes of Terry Ryan saying, well, we be we by no means feel like we're limited in, in very Terry Ryan speak, which I can't do his impression and I won't try well, here. Derek. <laughs> well, Phil. Puts the glasses down over the bridge of the nose. <laughs> As he peered, yeah. Uh, I, he'd say things like, we don't feel like that's a limitation. It's not an excuse. You'll never hear me use it as an excuse. And people would take that and they'd be like, well, if that's not an excuse and you still can't do it, then it's on you. Keep in mind. Terry Ryan's fully well aware of how it would come off if he complained in the media about the fact that Jim Pollard won't let him spend any money. Okay, but here's okay. Here's the conversation I want to dive into, and I I agree with everything you're saying. You've got to consider the source of where those quotes are coming from. But, That's all. But I'm saying. Falvey's point about understanding the circumstance you're in and the market and understanding the environment that you have to operate in shows more self awareness. Than I was even expecting. I I love. I know that it was sort of PR speak, and he's sitting next to the owner when he says it. But this town has been so hung up on payroll, fans and media ever since I can remember, going back to the Metrodome days. The Twins are never going to win the payroll game, and I know everyone backlashes when I say that on Twitter, on podcasts, on the radio for years and years. Well, they promised us that they would spend with the other big teams in baseball when they got the new stadium, and they lied to us. No, they said they'd be more competitive when they built the new stadium. Well, two things. Number one, they didn't promise they were going to spend $180 million a year like the Yankees were at the time, or now the Dodgers were spending almost $300 million a couple years ago. That was never realistic. Every team in baseball sands like eight have relatively new or remodeled stadiums. So that, to me, was a ticket just to, just to keep playing in the game. Just here's, a, here's another ticket to get back into the movie theater. And secondly, everyone looks at the uncapped nature of the league, and they think, well, you can spend whatever you want, so why wouldn't you spend, why wouldn't you spend with the Red Sox? 
You have a billionaire owner. Well, all owners are billionaires. That's a common denominator. It, they all cancel out. They've all kind of agreed for the most part, except for uh, what's his name up in, in Detroit. Mike Illich. Mike Illich, who's yeah. basically said, I'm going to spend all of my money. You guys spend whatever you want to spend. I can't take it with me. Owners have basically said, yeah, we're all, we're all billionaires. We're probably not going to dip too much into our own pocketbooks. Spending is determined now by TV revenue. And I don't want to dive too much into this because my main point is if you're not going to win in the payroll game, you have to win in the innovation game. And the Twins failed to do that for the last probably seven, eight, nine years. I mean, they were innovating in the late 90s, early 2000s with their ability to scout and develop players. But somewhere along the line, Jim Polad's lack of curiosity, I think Terry Ryan's lack of curiosity, it caught up to them. So not only were they not spending with the Phillies and the Giants and the Dodgers and the Red Sox and the Yankees, they weren't innovating like those teams, or even like the Indians or the Pirates or the, or the Royals lately, or some of the other mid-market teams. They stopped doing anything better than the rest of the league. And, and to bring this full circle, when I, when I hear Derek Falvey talking about understanding what you are able to take advantage of with your circumstances, it leads me to believe that he understands they're going to be like 15th or 20th in payroll, but it's not going to be an excuse for why they lose baseball games. They're going to win despite the payroll limitations, like they did in Cleveland, like they did in Pittsburgh the last few years. Jim Polad's lack of curiosity is the single biggest reason why this franchise hit the skids like it did the last six years. And, and of course, following in line with Jim Polad's lack of curiosity, I think Terry Ryan's lack of curiosity to the rest of the front office. Um, it's like the Twins didn't even know what a properly staffed front office looked like because they never went outside the organization to bother finding out until now. You're saying this is the first... Fixed now for the most part. This is the first winner that Jim Polad's gone through the media guides to figure Man, out. That's, that's, that was his comment at the uh, press like Why conference. do those other teams yeah. need two pages of their front office media yeah. guides? We but fit does, all ours on But one. does that make sense? So you're, you're not going to win the payroll game, and fans need to understand that, and media here needs to understand that. But that doesn't mean that you have to just lose. You can win the innovation game... But you have to think differently. You have to hire differently. You have to put more resources into research, into medical, into analytics. If you are a loyal listener of the Touch Em All podcast, we would really appreciate if you would leave a positive review if possible, unless you just hate listen every week for the last five months. You know, I mean, if you want to leave a negative review, that's totally cool. But we could really use your help with positive reviews on iTunes. So go find us on iTunes and leave, uh, if possible, a five-star review with, like, an all-caps, this is amazing, (laughs) with 53 exclamation points. Yeah, definitely lenient on the number. I'm fine with any punctuation you want to leave on those, but it does help us. It helps our our ratings, our metrics. It gets us shared with more people. More Twins fans will be able to consume this podcast if it's out there, if it's getting more ratings, bumping up iTunes. Um, And and as I always kind of try to tell people, too, Share it with your friends. If you like baseball this much and like the Twins, that you'll spend an hour listening to us to blabber on about the Twins, you probably have friends who feel the same way, and, and maybe they haven't heard of us yet. So I would say spread the word. This is two podcasts I'm going to reference here, and so pardon me for the corporate shell plug. On the Sports Analytics Department podcast with Matthew Collar, which I actually shared with our Touch Em All listeners, and we talked about what kinds of things you need to innovate in. Free idea right here. Share it again on the Touch Mall podcast. The next team, and I heard your interview with Jeff Passan about this same deal, author of The Arm and 
you know, famous Yahoo columnist. The next team that figures out how to keep its starting staff healthy throughout the full season is going to win multiple World Series until the rest of the league figures out what they're doing. Right. What medical advances came about to make you keep that guy's ulnar collateral ligament intact? And congratulations for doing it. Your reward is that you keep your one, two, and three starters healthy all year. Bless you, Phil. And you're going to be able Thank to you. you're going to be able to pitch at a more competitive level. That's innovation number one. Number two comes from the Sports Over Beers podcast last night that I recorded with uh, again Matthew Collar and our friend Jeff O'Brien. Um, I I only bring that podcast up to make it clear to people that I'm very anti publicly funded stadium. I'm I think it's a terrible idea. I think U.S. Bank Stadium was a bad idea. I don't think the public should have had to pay for Target Field either. But Stop using that as a red herring. There's a certain group of people who just want to complain about the taxes they paid for Target Field and then use that as an excuse as a reason why the Twins haven't won. No, no, no. Those are two separate issues. You can be mad about the public funding and still also acknowledge that the Twins have fallen behind the times with making new innovations. I'm, I, that's the, there are two arguments that I'm so sick and tired of hearing on Twitter, and I just want that out there. The stadium is not losing the Twins games. The infrastructure within the stadium is what was losing them games. And second of all, Joe Maurer has a full no-trade clause. So those are, <laughs> those are the two things that I want out there. Not a, lot, not a lot angers me about these arguments. I mean, it's fun for me to argue baseball, to talk about baseball with, uh, with people who think like I do and people who think differently than I do. That is all fun and games. Two annoying arguments that need to die and haven't. They've persisted forever. They're like cockroaches in the nuclear war. Joe Maurer and the stadium, like, the, they, they think it's this lie. Like, the Twins told them some lie in the legislature and told Tempolani, hey, just so you know, you sign off on this and we're going to win a couple World Series. It's like, that was never the conversation. I'm not here to publicly, you know, apologize and go revise history for the Twins and say it was a smart thing to give them money to build that stadium. But it's now built. If you want to talk about other things, if you want to talk about baseball, I'm happy to do it. I'm tired yeah. of hearing the target field whiners. Hear the amazing part about revisionist history, because I do think there's still a huge faction of fans that think the Twins got to target field and they didn't spend more money. It's the ultimate pulling the hood over the eyes of every Minnesota baseball fan. That was a narrative that I think still persists today, but it was definitely a strong narrative as they moved into target field. Is well, that true? Let, let's go through the facts. That's not true. Here's what they were spending at the Metrodome. $56 million in 2005, $64 million in 2006, up to 71 in 2007, uh, up to down to $65 million in 2008. Then 2009 comes, the, year, the last year in the Metrodome, and they kind of sense, okay, we're going we're gonna to have some more funds coming here. So they went up to 73 in 2009, knowing that the stadium was on the horizon. Up to 103 in 2010, up to 115 in 2011. They went from $65 million to, to $115 million. So they went $50 million north of what they were spending the second to last year at the Metrodome. They went from consistently being 21st, 25th, 21st in payroll to being 9th, 10th, and 13th. And what did those payrolls get them? the worst teams in Twins history, mm -hmm. which shows you it had nothing to do with spending. It had everything to do with infrastructure and innovation 
and scouting and development. Yeah. And within that structure, making bad baseball decisions, paying yeah. guys that don't deserve it a lot of money. They were far better in the early to mid-2000s when they were 27th and 21st in payroll and 30th in payroll in 2001, the, uh, the contraction twins. Then they were in 2011 when they were 9th, or 2012 when they were 13th. Sure. So it's not that payroll's irrelevant, but we need to stop in this town as fans and media getting so hung up on it's payroll. Easy. And I'm glad Derek Falvey said something about It's easy, about it. right? It's a lazy argument. It's, it's, it's just the, um, the first thing that would be easy to say, like, well, don't need to analyze any of these moves because they'll never change. Yeah. That's the other one. As long as the poll ads on this team, they can't ever win. Why not? Like, I get that Jim's probably not that curious, and I get all of your criticisms at the beginning of this podcast, but who's to say that the ownership group is going to prevent the Twins from winning? Well, you, you know only what have the- to make one really good hire to Boom. change it, right? I mean, yeah. if, if Tom Thibodeau's the right guy with the Timberwolves, Glenn Taylor, who was legitimately one of the worst and most uh, passive owners in basketball history, great hired sweater David Kahn. Ah, mediocre sweater. No, game. great sweater. He game. wears sweaters. Doesn't yeah. equal great sweater <laughs> game. Um, and, and but he stumbled into Tom Thibodeau, and that go. might change the entire franchise. So here's the corollary. Uh, they mentioned it in their press conference. It's it's the Cleveland Indians and it's the Kansas City Royals. It's the Pittsburgh Pirates. But I'll I'll focus on their central brethren, their mid to small market brethren, the Kansas City Royals and Cleveland Indians. Bless you, Phil. There are <laughs> what's that go up to four now? I'm not keeping track. I lost my my ticker ran out. You know, it only goes up to single digits. <laughs> um, they're, they're they're competing closely. They're not going to spend what the White Sox are going to spend, and they're not going to spend what the Tigers are going to spend. Probably that's just that's just a guess. If they're spending what the Royals and what the Indians are spending, they should be competitive within it. You know what allows those teams to do this? And that's a rhetorical question because I'm going to answer it myself. Good, young core of cost-controlled players. They've got Sal Perez. They've got uh, Eric Hosmer. They've got Mike Moustakis. They've got Alcides Escobar. They've got Lorenzo Cain. It's easier to fill in around the fringes and go bring in a free agent, D.H. Kenneth Morales. Uh, okay, and, and yes, Kansas City's done some smart things with their bullpen. I mean, Wade Davis kind of came out of nowhere, and that's a that's a big come-out-of-nowhere guy. You could go look at the same conversation in Cleveland. Jason Kipnis, Francisco Lindor, um, you know, well, Jan Gomes, he got hurt. He didn't really help him very much. Yeah. Um, anyway, Michael Brantley. I mean, you could go up and down the list of players for the Indians who, uh, or, and, and for the Royals, for that matter, who helped them. Good young players that don't break the bank is the new, like, every team wants that. Every team knows it needs it stable, even the Dodgers. The Dodgers know they need the Seegers and the Urias of yes. the world so that they can afford the Clayton Kershaws of the world. Could they go out and spend $600 million? Like, yeah, I guess they could. Yeah, theoretically, they probably could. Um, it wouldn't be very sustainable, and if they didn't win, then right. it looks like a bad financial decision. But... Having the young, cost-controlled players is a huge leg up on some other teams that are maybe starting their rebuild from scratch. And the Twins, right now, at least it looks to me, like they have that. They've got the start of that young nucleus of players that aren't going to be expensive for multiple years. So let me ask you this question about about payroll and, and spending on the Major League roster versus the core of what your front office is building. Because because Derek Falvey is presumably going to spend some amount of money from Jim Polad's wallet. I don't know if it's going to be millions on technology, on databases, on humans to come in, uh, maybe scout, different scouts, whatever it may be. If given only two options and you had to choose one of them, 
Would you rather the Twins go from, as far as the goal being to compete and to win a World Series, would you rather the Twins go from, like, let's say 18th slash 20th in payroll, so 100 to $110 million, $50 million more per year? So you can, that's option A. They can now be spending among the top, let's say, 10 to 11, 12, whatever. I, I don't have a list of payrolls in front of me, but like they go, to, they go to 10th on a yearly basis in payroll. And they're spending $160 million a year, option one. Or option two, they can stay exactly where they're at in terms of rank. So they're going to be like 20th or so in payroll. But they will double the amount of smart people in their front office. And they will have a beefed up medical staff and a beefed up analytics department and a beefed up research department. But if you choose the payroll, you get the understaffed sort of old school thinking uh, you have the two new figureheads in your front office, but you get a lot of the older thinking because you haven't fired everyone yet. You can only choose one. Which one do you choose? Well, if I want to win the World Series next year, I'd spend more money. But if I want to set up a long-term sustainable winning model, which is the thing that they talked about over and over and over again. You know, Royce made fun of the fact that they use the word collaborative so often. I would say, like, the long-term sustainable winning process was used far more, but that's just not as fun to mock <laughs> and make fun of. They used that so for that, that was the theme of the press conference yeah. to me. Long-term sustainable decisions were not going to deal for one year. So if I was winning, wanted to win the World Series next year, I'd spend more money. I'd go out and buy some good players, and I'd roll the dice and I'd say hey we got to fix our pitching now let's see what that offense can do of course this coming off season is a great example of why even if you do have the extra 50 million dollars to spend you might not get a whole lot for your dollar who's the best free agent starting pitcher on the market right now rich hill and he's 37 he will be in march so yeah. here's so here's 20 million dollars for old broken down rich hill who sure. came back and had one good season well i'd like i look for someone that's trying to salary dump a top end starter or something like that i go get chris sale um whatever that's the name i keep throwing out but like okay um and then of course that would cost a lot in trade resources it's not necessarily feasible either just a fun conversation here's where i here's where you and I maybe diverge and maybe we don't maybe you're just setting up that intentionally difficult question for the sake of argument <laughs> I think it's an easy question yes, because I, I take the smart front office but if your goal is to win like multiple world series like that's what that's what you want to you want to be one of those franchises that's in the conversation every single year and these things ebb and flow I mean the Washington Nationals are going to be in this conversation for a while, but like there was a time when they weren't at all. They were in the other conversation. They were in the conversation of who's going to get Bryce Harper next year, who's going to get Steven Strasburg next year. So that stuff helps. I get it. But there's no reason that you can't do both. You can beef out your front office, build annually, spend some more money up front behind the scenes right now, and then once you have that process up and humming and Miguel Sano's in his prime and Byron Buxton's in his prime, you've got those guys signed to long-term deals, go ahead and go buy a nice pitcher. That's the trick part of the question. Okay, the, so you the, made it intentionally the, difficult. The real answer is both. You if I only had to choose one, yeah. I would choose smart front office because I think they would be able to take limited resources and make it work more often than the other way around. <laughs> Imagine how much you could do with $50 million, which in payroll terms doesn't sound like that much. But then you might get the Phillies. or some, Look at some of these sure. teams. The Mets spent a lot of money for a long time, and only when they finally cultivated their own young pitching, that all, and all these guys are making $500,000 a year because they're all coming up at the same time. But the, the real answer is, is both. We don't think of $50 million as that much money because of... Guys like Mike Pelfrey making two years sixteen million. You're just like, oh, eight million. It's a it's a rounding error. But eight million dollars is a lot of money in payroll infrastructure. If you're starting a company and you need to pay, you know, uh, uh, 
web developer $100,000 plus health and benefits. Okay, you've got an $8 million pool. You can go make a lot of noise in that arena. $50 million would be absurd. Right. Well, well here's another question. If, if given if, – Or that would be a really expensive web dev person, <laughs> I guess. If Jim Polad gave you $5 million and only $5 million for this one-off season, said, sorry – uh, season tickets are way down again, and uh, I know you've gone out and got Irvin Santana or Terry did previously, and Ricky Alaska. We've spent some money in previous off seasons, but you get five million dollars to spend this off season. Would you spend it on a player, or would right. you spend it on beefing up your front office? Exactly, no question. You're going to spend it on beefing up your front no office, no right? question. Especially because I don't think the Twins are winning the World Series next year, but. What? That doesn't Wait, matter. What? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Bearing the get lead the, here. Get the breaking news out. That, there's the headline for our podcast Let's this quick week. chop this up and put <laughs> that at the beginning. <laughs> sorry to spoil the fun. I mean, it'll still be an interesting winter for me because this is going to tell us how they're setting up for the future. I'm also curious to see if you only had $5 million to spend, I'd want to shed some of my current payroll. I don't think you necessarily have to do that if your goal is just to see what the young players are this year. Fix your pitching, get that started to turn around, and then in Miguel Sano's age 25 season, you're really starting to hit the gas. I think that makes a little bit more sense. But if if you said, I've only got $5 million in payroll flexibility, you can either give Kyle Gibson his raise or go get another uh, you know, 50 quants to help your I, front I, office. I guess you could non-tender Trevor Plouffe to save an extra nine, because that's probably what he's going to cost in arbitration. And, uh, and these are different podcasts for later in the offseason, but Hector Santiago is going to be like, Eight, nine, ten million dollars. There's a whole wing of your front office if you want to non-tender that guy. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could build a new actual front office, like yeah. just redo the entire cubicle section. Instead of in the back, you could put it in the front of Target Field. I think we're onto something here. <laughs>